Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And apparently, Matthew, Jay and I are tied right now for the amount of promo codes right. that have been used. Yeah, people are comparing it to yeah, the Seattle a... Mariners and the AL West. It's really making a run. J10 is coming back from the dead to tie you up, Connor, and uh, coming for the crowd. A little weird, to be perfectly honest. All the uh, <laughs> there's a there's a, it's a it's a there's a big Australian contingent, is what I've found. I've, I, there's a lot of bots from Australia Come that on. have bought um, uh, the Roto World Draft Guide using promo code J10. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. It is Love Hate Day. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Jay Croucher. And of course, there he is, Matthew Berry out in Kansas City. Matthew, it's game day. Did you wake up feeling great there in Kansas City? Yeah, absolutely. So I started just tweeting out, sorry, Xing out uh, our show link so people can, uh, can find us. Very exciting social post. Uh, about uh, about today, about the first love hate of the season, first uh, first game of the season. We're almost here. We did it, fam. We are about ready to see actual football that counts. It is game day, LFG on NBC and Peacock tonight. Of course, I'm a company man. Football night in America preceding that as well. Uh, I'll be on that along with a bunch of other people. I'm like you know ninth on the get depth list, you know. But whatever, I will be there. I am a part of the team. I'm like the kicker, but whatever. I was going to say, very special teams of this. I like it. It's very, hey, special teams can lose you the game, Matthew. Don't forget that. Factually correct. That's right. All right, you heard him. It's love, hate day. We will get to that. We will get to Roto World player news, of course, and a big one there. But before we do, we're down to the wire for draft season. For all your late drafters, all you late drafters, get the Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide by going to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code Barry 20 for 20% off at checkout, or Connor 5 to, of course, help me beat Jay. But Jay, the Australians are rallying. You are getting a lot of late support here on Twitter. They are. They're coming. And uh, I don't know who this Jared bloke is, but he's a good man, clearly. Uh, And he's part of the growing J10 movement that is sweeping not just America, not just Australia, but planet Earth. Uh, I'm just sorry that uh, Jared who uh, was at the Kansas City Royals game last night and uh, caught a foul ball. I'm just sorry that he had to go to a Kansas City Royals-Chicago White Sox AL Central blockbuster. That's not going to be good for uh, Australian-US relations. But uh, Jordan Lyles and Tuki Tucson on the mound, there is a lot of opportunity to catch balls leaving the park, Connor. Yeah, co- <laughs> yes, coming over here and uh, trying to get into baseball, I don't know if the <laughs> Royals are exactly going to do it for you, but hopefully he had a good time. Let's get into the Roto World player news. Of course, for all of your player news, you can go to Today's the last day, by the way. .com, and today is the last day to get your draft guide. So we're still today's- tied. We're yeah, today's the last. Well, today's the last day to figure out who's going to win J10 or Connor Five. Which is your favorite promo code? 
where you know you can spend more money with NBC Sports. Very important. The the guy that tweeted at us, uh, or and specifically to Jay as well, just proves my theory. There is a contingent of Australians here in the states that um, that are you know stuff in the ballot box, as it were. <laughs> These accusations of voter fraud, because I won't stand for that, Matthew. These are authentic votes trending in the J10 direction. Come in, Connor. I know. I'm actually sweating it as I sit here on this desk. So yeah. the most notable bit of player news is that it's official. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup dealing with the hamstring injury. He will not play in week one against the Seahawks. And we got to hear from Coach Sean McVay and his quarterback, Matthew Stafford, on Cooper Cup's injury situation. You know, just dealing with some soft tissue stuff, just trying to get him to feel back to normal. And when that, when that ended up occurring, then uh, we'll have him back. But uh, in the meantime, he will not be playing for us. Any thoughts um, putting him just a possibility. You know, we'll look into that. You know, we want to be able to just kind of give him a little bit of time. We don't have to make that decision quite yet, Gary, but there's a possibility of that. That's the toughest thing. You know, all of, you know, everybody, everybody sits there and goes, oh, man, you know, he's not going to be on our fantasy team or he's not going to be on this, that, and the other. But, like, there's a human being, too, that works his entire life and, and works, you know, more than anybody I know in the off seasons to make sure that he's ready to go. And when he's not, you know, that's, that's tough as a human being, you know, and as a football player and as a competitor. Jay, obviously a huge blow. No Cooper Cup week one for a team that is already very top-heavy. They'll be missing maybe their best overall offensive player, of course. Yeah, and two giant red flags. One, Sean McVay mentioning it's a possibility that he might go on on IR. Two, Matthew Stafford talking about Cooper Cup and his like, well-being as a human being. Right. Uh, that doesn't sound like you're just missing one week. And so I don't think that the thing that we talk about, there's just no incentive for the Rams to rush him back. So I just don't think we're going to see Cooper Cup for a little while yet, uh, particularly given the risk of reoccurrence with hamstring injuries. So, yeah, I wouldn't be counting on Cup for, for the next little while. Barry, two things from me. One, how far is the concern level cranking up, of course, as it continues to get worse each day? But number two, what are the implications in fantasy on the Rams' offense without Cup and who it – you don't want to say elevates because it's not crazy when you're looking at Tyler Higby and the likes of that, but who does this have an implication on? So we'll start there in terms of I think Jay's absolutely right. Like I tweeted this out, like, you know, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, put this out there. It might be maybe there's some nerve damage there. There's something going on. It's not a normal hamstring injury. Just the way, again, that you're hearing McVeigh and Stafford talk, the fact that he's seeing specialists, the fact that they just don't know, there's all this uncertainty just bad vibes. I'm not a doctor. I, you know, all I know is, is that hamstring injuries, while problematic, are a fairly you know, normal occurrence in the NFL. And so you sort of know, okay, it's this kind of a grade, and it's going to be a one-week injury. It's going to be a four-week. It's going to be a two-week. The fact that it's just, there's so much uncertainty, and it keeps getting worse, right? No, we think he'll be back for week one. No, he's definitely not going to play in week one. Oh, now he might go on the IR. You know, and it's just... It doesn't feel good here, you know. Um, so I'm nervous about this as well. Um, and, yeah, Matthew Stafford, uh, I totally agree with you. Like, we are concerned about him as a person. We're hopeful for it, right? We're hopeful for it. But the fact of the matter is, is we are a fantasy football show, so we're here to talk about the fantasy impact of a Cooper Cup injury. And to your point, Connor Rogers, look, I think the biggest beneficiary here is Tyler Higby, who last year got an over 20% target share, should be the main focal point of this passing offense. I ranked Van Jefferson at 39. He's my highest-ranked Rams wide receiver this week. Uh, Tyler Higby, we're going to get into it, but Tyler Higby will make, um, does make my love list 
this week. And so I'm as a top five tight end. It's a really good matchup against Seattle as well, as we'll talk about later in the show. Seattle last year allowed the most yards to opposing tight ends. But you see it there on your screen. So after Van Jefferson, you've got Tutu Atwell. You've got Ben Skoronek, Demarcus Robinson, who last year was with the Ravens. Puka Nakua, is that how I say his name, Connor? Yes. Because yep. he's really interesting to me. So um, I'll just say that uh, you know my, my friend and, and former colleague, Jim Nagy, who would do some stuff occasionally for us over at ESPN. Of course, Jim runs the Senior Bowl, does a great job there. Jim's an avid fantasy player, and he told me that, you know, and he, he looks at all these, uh, all these kids coming out. He just told me he thinks Puka's special, and for whatever it's worth, he drafted Puka to his fantasy team. So um, that's a guy that I think is really interesting to sort of keep an eye on as the season goes on. But if you're starting a Rams wide receiver this week, I think it's Van Jefferson. I do think as long as Cup is out eventually, and maybe sooner rather than later, that Puka overtakes Tutu Atwell. Uh, in the uh, Rams pecking order, but just none of it feels great. It's not a great offensive line. We don't know how healthy Stafford is, obviously, and um, none of those guys inspire a ton of confidence here. Like Matthew said, he hinted at it. We'll get into Tyler Higby plenty later on, but of course we're going to start with the running back position for but Connor, Love. real quickly though, yeah. Connor, real quickly though, will you just, just because I'm bringing it up and I think this is a name that needs to be on people's radar, just talk a little bit about Puka Nakua and uh, what kind of player he is, what the Rams have in him. I know they're very high on him and he's had a great camp. Yeah, I mean, they've been looking for somebody that can stretch the field a little bit and get working down the field a little bit, even if Cooper Cup was there. And I think Puka Nakua was drafted to hopefully do that maybe the second half of the season, you know, slowly work him in. And now maybe there's no choice. They tried that with Tutu Atwell. It really hasn't worked out with Nakua. He's somebody that should be able to get going down the field. We know Stafford still has a great arm when protected went healthy so you like him as a vertical threat but now maybe they have to force more of those targets his way without uh without cooper cup of course in this offense van jefferson doesn't inspire a ton of confidence where you feel like all of the targets shift to him right away so i'm curious i think it's you need to be careful with expectations in redraft right he was probably a really nice dynasty stash but he'll be somebody we'll monitor on the waiver wire closely yeah, I'm not saying you pick him up and start him. It's just exactly. a name to keep on your radar unless you're in a crazy deep league. But it's just it's just somebody that has, you know, come across my radar that is going to, to your point, have a lot more opportunity early on than I think they expected to, given the injury to Cup and, frankly, you know, how well he's performed so far in camp. Yep. Just yeah. lastly yep. on Van Jefferson, who is, you know, somewhat uninspiring. In 2021, Van Jefferson did have 89 targets. He had over 800 receiving yards, six touchdowns. That was while Cup was having perhaps the greatest wide receiver season ever while Odell Beckham was there, the latter half of the season, and Robert Woods the first half. So, I mean, he has produced before. I'm not sure he's going to soak up Cup's usage and start being used in that way, but I think that he is, he is a viable, I mean, probably as your flex right. in terms of wide receiver, but I think he is viable against this week in particular against the Seattle defense that isn't too fearsome. And we forget that, like, Matthew Stafford is still yes. a decent quarterback when he's out there. It's just he's rarely been out there. Right, that's the number one thing is watching his health, watching how this line performs because they were very poor last year. And if they can keep him upright, that'll only help guys like Van Jefferson. That will help guys like Puka Nakua, like I said, somebody that can work more down the field as well. All right, let's jump into love-hate with running backs. Listen, everybody in the fantasy community has been ready for quite some time for Tony Pollard to be the main guy in Dallas and we get our wish this year but it also sounds like Tony Pollard is very confident stepping up into the lead spot I mean I'm, I've been ready for this moment so um the time is now I'm good physically mentally 
emotionally, I'm good, and I'm ready to go. You as the lead guy, what are you telling the rest of the running back room to be able to set the tone in game one? Um, I mean, just do what they do. They're here for a reason, and um, if they need any help, just just watch me, and I'll lead the way for them. I would like some. I like to lead by example. You know, just not too much talking, but just let the guys see how I go about things. You know, see my routine day to day, and then just just how I attack the day. The love list for running backs is led by Tony Pollard, of course, this week against the Giants. Dallas has had a lot of success in recent history against this Giants team, and Dallas did us all a favor and didn't bring back Zeke Elliott. So no surprise to see Tony Pollard kicking off the love list for week one. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear his quote talking about how he doesn't like to do a lot of talking. He likes to lead by example. I'm the complete opposite. (laughs) I actually don't lead by example. I do do a lot of talking. It's pretty much all I have. So I'm the anti-Tony Pollard over here. What I will say is, is that unlike me, Tony Pollard has actual talent. He has actual skill. He is somebody that is elite at something, and that includes running the football. We've talked about this before. Games in which he gets a lot of work. He's had 13 career games where he's gotten 15 or more touches. In those games, he's averaging over 19 fantasy points per game. Last year, Giants allowed the highest yards per reception to running backs last season. Obviously, Pollard, an accomplished pass catcher. And they also allow 5.2 yards per carry last season. That was second most in the NFL. I don't know that they did enough this offseason to really offset that. We expect a massive workload for Tony Pollard behind a good offensive line. I am at running back three this week. He's a top three play to me, and it wouldn't be shocking if on Monday morning we're talking about number one running back in fantasy for week one, Tony Pollard, heading into Monday Night Football. I think Pollard is one of the most interesting players in week one just to see the extent of the usage because I don't think people realize this. Last year, Tony Pollard, despite being running back eight on the season in PPR, Tony Pollard only got 36% of the Cowboys' carries. Only 36%. He got less carries than Ezekiel Elliott. And I think if he's at 60% of their carries and he stays healthy for 17 games, then he's the best player in fantasy this year. Yeah, I'm with you, Jay. We've been excited about him. Obviously, he highlights... Uh, Matthew's love list for week one and once again you saw that graphic with the Giants numbers on it I don't think they have the linebackers in the middle of the field to run and cover with him and also stop him from the inside and outside running all right that takes us to our next player here Jay Joe Mixon who I remember when we got back from our long break Matthew was saying listen people are overlooking Joe Mixon right now the ADP doesn't make a lot of sense Uh, obviously Mixon is a guy that can you know feed off of Cincinnati's high-octane passing attack because they find themselves in the red zone so often. He's another running back that makes the love list as they head to Cleveland for week one. Yeah, some questions about Cleveland's defense against the rush last year. Uh, They were not great. And Joe Mixon, I think he's just the guy who's unexciting because he's not Jamar Chase and he's not, uh, you know, being a wide receiver who's catching the ball from Joe Burrow. But he's just rock solid. He's been behind a not great offensive line the past couple of years. I don't think it's going to be great this year either. But the guy just produces and he's on what's going to be a top five offense, we think. And he's going to be in scoring position a lot. So, yeah, unexciting. But particularly in this matchup, you fully expect him to produce. Matthew, is there something also to Joe Burrow really not having a summer dealing with the calf injury and him expected? We think he's going to play, but also the fact that it might be nice to turn around and hand the ball to Joe Mixon to protect Burrow a little bit in the early goings. Yeah, you think about last year, those first four games that Burrow was um, coming off of, uh, you know, 
uh, I'm sorry, 2021 when he's coming off the ACL, right? Like, he averaged like 10 less pass attempts a game in those first four games than he did uh, weeks five through the rest of the season, right? So you could see them going a little bit more run heavy in this game with Burrow coming off of the injury as well. Last year, he averaged over 19 touches a game, his fifth straight season averaging 19 or more touches. So we talk about this all the time. It's talent and opportunity. Well, he's going to get opportunity. And Jay, to your point, he's also going to get opportunity in close. Last year, Joe Mixon, top three among running backs in red zone touches per game. And he had the second most carries inside an opponent's 10-yard line. When they get in close, they like to give it to Joe Mixon. One of the reasons I talked about his ADP not making sense is because he's a workhorse back on a good offense. Now, the concerns, the reason he was dropping an ADP was off-the-field concerns. Is he going to get suspended? Is there going to be some sort of issue? And that, obviously, you never know. But the fact of the matter is, is we're starting the season and he hasn't been, uh, there's been no suspension. All expectations are is that at the moment he's going to play every single game. So this game against Cleveland, which last year allowed the third most rushing touchdowns. Yeah, Joe Mixon, I think, has got a pretty good shot at getting into the end zone. I was a top 10 play this week. He's going to get a lot of work in a good matchup. This next player, we don't have to wait too long to see him, his debut, and that's David Montgomery, who is obviously traveling to play the Chiefs. He is the part of the two-headed attack in Detroit with Jameer Gibbs. And listen, Barry, obviously with Montgomery, he steps into what you said people will think is the Jamal Williams role, but maybe with a little bit more meat on the bone. And the best part is, I think, Chris Jones won't be on the field for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, right, you think about this Chiefs defensive line from last year. Frank Clark's now in Denver. Chris Jones is going to hold out. He's, it, we don't expect him to play tonight. And so David Montgomery, who's, you know, not a terrible pass catcher. I think he'll be more involved in the passing game than Jamal Williams last year, right? He's had three straight years of a target share of at least 11% and 300 receiving yards. It's not a ton, but it's something First game on the road at Kansas City. How much do we see Jameer Gibbs tonight? That's a question for you. I do know that what they want to do is they want to run the ball behind a very good offensive line, try to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, try to take that arrowhead crowd out of it. Those are all cliches, but they're true. Cliches are cliches because they are true. 12 of his 15 healthy games last season, Montgomery had at least 15 touches. I expect that workload at least again tonight. Remember, the Chiefs are um, they're not an intimidating d- defensive front. And t- again, to your point, they're not going to have Chris Jones here as well. So David Montgomery's my running back 17 this week. I'm as a top 20 play, a solid number two running back. He's on the love list, and I'm just going to admit this and admit this now in front of you, Jay, and in front of you, Connor, and a national audience. I have an uncomfortable amount of David Montgomery this year. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm literally I'm in 16 leagues, and I think I have Montgomery like in 13 of them. I have an uncomfortable amount of David Montgomery. So if he comes out tonight and lays an egg, like it's going to be bad for me tomorrow. But I'm a believer in David Montgomery this season. I'm a believer in him tonight against the Chiefs. I think there's a chance he gets in the end zone, just as uh, for those of you placing wagers in legal states. The problem of sitting next to you for week after week after week is that I feel like I have David Montgomery in every single league that I'm not in with you, Matthew. So the, uh, the fantasy yeah. happy hour world is watching closely the David Mon- Montgomery debut with the Lions. A couple other running backs receiving votes here, Jay. Of course, Raheem Mostert, they'll play the Chargers. He's in a great situation as Jeff Wilson is on the short-term IR. Devon A. Chain is still dealing with a shoulder injury. We'll see how much usage he gets, assuming he's active. And then Khalil Herbert there uh, for the Bears in a bit of a trio of a backfield, but they got the Green Bay defense. Yeah, Raheem Mostert is the interesting one to me, who I think is being underrated. And I think back to 
One, when the Dolphins played the Chargers last year in primetime, and just how bad Tua was in that game. That's the worst I've seen Tua Tagovailoa play under Mike McDaniel. I do wonder if they lean more into most. The, the Chargers had a bottom four rushing defense last year uh, in terms of EPA per play against by the rush. So I think that most that uh, should be in line for a massive game. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. Barry, is there a, what it, I actually want to know your take on Herbert because this is a backfield that everybody – it's just so desperately trying to figure out. They obviously used a, a fourth-round pick on a power back in Roshan Johnson. They did sign Deontay Foreman. But Herbert's the guy that we've already seen play for the Bears, and when healthy and when right, looks like the most explosive runner that they have. Yeah, it feels like he's going to get 65 to 70% of the Bears' carries, and we'll see what happens, obviously, in week one. But you think about what happened in the preseason. Herbert played all of his snaps with Justin Fields and the first-team offense, so he wasn't out there with any kind of scrubs. Last year, 5.7 yards per carry, which led all qualified uh, running backs. Green Bay, by the way, allowed the fifth-highest yards per carry uh, per average per game last year as well. So, yeah, Herbert I kind of like in a game in which, you know, against Green Bay where they, they're going to want to run the ball. The reason Herbert dropped as much as he did in drafts is because people thought, well, you're going to have Deontay Foreman, you got Roshan Johnson, you know, does Travis Homer get in there and take some third-down work? But if Herbert plays, again, 65 70% of the snaps, which I think is going to happen, I think he's going to play the majority of the snaps. I think he'll play, he'll like do, you know, two series and then Deontay Foreman will come in for a third series and give him a breather. But like the end of the day, like he's going to wind up with 15 or so touches in this game. And last year when he, for his career, when he's gotten at least 12 touches, he's got eight career games where he's gotten at least 12 touches. He averages basically 16 fantasy points per game. So I do think Herbert is kind of interesting here. Worth noting about Mostert, Devon A-Chain did return to practice yesterday. So that is something be interesting to see how much run he gets him or Savan Ahmed, because we know Wilson is hurt and Miles Gaskin was released by the Dolphins. So really going to be interesting to see how uh, the Dolphins running back room plays out. But I'm with, I'm with Jay here. Big game coming for a friend of the show, Raheem Mostert. Let's jump into the running back hate list for week one, and that is headlined by Najee Harris, who will be playing the 49ers. The 49ers, by the way, who just gave Nick Bosa a lot of money to return to the team. So good for Nick Bosa and that defense, which really needs him. Barry, is this about the matchup, or is this also about the summer of Jalen Warren that we just kind of witnessed? Why do I have to choose just one, Connor? Right. Why can't it be both? The world is yours. Right? I mean, so, right – like, it's a, it's a brutal matchup, right? I mean, no, no team in the NFL allowed fewer rushing yards or lower yards per carry to running backs last season. Then the San Francisco 49ers, Nick Bosa, two points, just got paid. Like, we expect them to um, have a very strong defense once again. And so, um, you know, against, uh, against San Francisco last year, here's the entire list of running backs that got at least 80 yards from scrimmage. Chris McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs. That's it. So you think about Jalen Warren, who, who last year, basically, on his final five games, averaged double-digit touches. We've seen him used a lot with the first-team offense in the preseason. I'm worried this is a little bit more of a split. So you're telling me, basically, no, no, team, no running back last year got even 80 scrimmage yards against the Niners. And now, so it's a really tough matchup, and he's going to be splitting time. Or, you know, even if he gets like 65% of the running back carries, it's just tough to see him as anything other than a touchdown-dependent flex. I'm at running back 26 in my current rankings. Like, ideally, you're not starting Najee Harris this week. Jay, you've kind of been someone that said maybe the pendulum has swung too far the other way with Najee Harris this summer. You know, obviously, he falls beyond round six at times, things like that. But do you have some concern about the split usage in that backfield? 
I think for this week in particular, it's more just about the Niners. Right. And that's where just running backs go to die, at least they were last year. You just couldn't get anything going against San Francisco. Uh, the summer of Jalen Warren. I think it might end like the summer of George, which ended with George Costanza's legs in a state of atrophy. I think the Jalen Warren, he's got a little bit too far where now, like, it seems to be in leagues that we're in. I keep getting Najee Harris in the sixth round. Nobody, it's just ridiculous. Nobody wants anything to do with him. Uh, but at some point, you've got to start taking Najee right. Harris. And like, he was hurt last year, to be fair. He was banged up. He was banged up. He was behind what I think was a worse offensive line. It's a lot of the same members, but yeah. they are older, more mature. I think it's just going to be a better offense in general. And I think Najee will get first crack. I think he will get the opportunity to fail. I think he probably offers more as a pass catcher. I think that he may not get the usage of last year, but he will get, uh, I think he'll be more efficient. So this week is not great, but going forward, I think Najee is being, uh, being underdrafted. How about another running back on the hate list here, Jamal Williams against the Titans. This is an interesting one here, Jay, because you have Alan Kamara dealing with the suspension. Kendra Miller, they used a third round pick on Kendra Miller, and he will be a big focal part of that rushing attack at some point this season. But he's had a lot of different injuries this summer, some unfortunate injuries. But the Titans are a tough matchup for Jamal Williams. And this is a Saints team with Derek Carr. We think they could air it out a little bit as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think people forget that it wasn't actually the Niners who ended last season as the most efficient run defense in the league. It was the Tennessee Titans. Uh, And so I think that just with the matchup, with the fact also that Tennessee's secondary has been so susceptible as well, um, particularly towards the end of last season. So I would think that, yeah, if there's any time to let Derek Carr play with his new toys, including my man Michael Thomas, then this is the week. I was going to say, Barry, did you hear that? It sounded like Michael Thomas's music during that rant. Mm. Can I tell you something? I, Connor, don't do me a favor. Cover Jay's ears. I don't want him to hear this, but just you and I, if I can just talk to you for a second. I heard from a source yesterday, a source that's pretty good, been pretty good to me. I heard from a source yesterday that actually Michael Thomas might be healthy. That like actually, <laughs> that like he's not doing any talk. And they're like, the source is just like, they're excited about him again. I don't know. It's like, Awful. I'm like, no, just when you, you can't you out. say that to me. Uh, yeah, just yeah. when I thought I was out. So we'll, we'll see uh, how true it is uh, on Sunday. But to your point here about uh, Jamal Williams, uh, the fact of the matter is, so Kendry Miller, we don't expect him. He's been banged up throughout the preseason. I don't know how much we're going to see him on Sunday, if at all. And it's a brutal matchup against the Titans, right? Only one team in the NFL allowed fewer rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs last year than the Tennessee Titans. Jamal Williams, when he was in Green Bay, he was involved in the passing game. He wasn't really involved that much in Detroit. Less than a 3% target share with the Lions last year. And I don't know if that's because they had DeAndre Swift or just they just didn't trust him. So we just don't know if Jamal Williams is going to be used in the, uh, in the passing game here. And it's worth noting that last season, in games in which he didn't score a touchdown, he averaged under six fantasy points a game. It's so funny that, uh, you know, one of the beat reporters that covers the Saints tweeted out something yesterday about how Kendry Miller's availability for Sunday is in doubt. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be able to go or not. And uh, my friend Sigmund Bloom of uh, Football Guys does a great job over there. He quote tweets that and says, you know, this is going to be a 20 for 70 game for Jamal Williams. And then Taysom Hill comes in and vultures all the touchdowns. Like, that's what's going to happen, right? Jamal Williams is going to get 20 carries for like 73 yards and no receptions. And then they're going to get in close and they're going to do two gadget plays. Taysom Hill is going to have three carries for seven yards and two touchdowns and drive all of us crazy. I'm nervous about Jamal Williams. I'm at running back 28, just barely a top 30 play. I just like if you're desperate for a flex, um, I don't mind it, I suppose. And you hope that he gets into the end zone here. But I just I think there's going to be a lot of people that want to play him in DFS that want to use him as a top 20 back as a starter saying like, oh, he's going to get all the work. And I'm just like. All the work against Tennessee without any passing game usage is still problematic. 
Yeah, and on that, Matthew, to your point, his rushing prop is set at 53.5, Jamal Williams, uh, and the game has a total of 41.5. So Jamal Williams, if he doesn't get in the end zone, then it's unlikely he's going to provide value, and obviously he has no lock to get in the end zone. There's a decent chance he does, but that's what you're counting on there. So that it makes him a flex. Yeah, Jeffrey Simmons in that Titans front has made that tough for a lot of running backs in recent memory. All right, with that, we're going to go to our first break, but when we are back, we continue love-hate for week one with the pass catchers and the quarterback. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader new cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Here's your chance to win a VIP trip for two to watch a live taping of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. Go behind the scenes, meet the crew, and get a front row seat to all the fantasy insights and debates to help you win your league. Live from the NBC Sports studio. Enter now at NBCSports.com slash Barry Sweeps. Contest ends September 10th. All right, let's dive into love-hate week one for the pass catchers. And listen, a pretty important one is playing tonight as the NFL season debuts in Kansas City. We got to hear from Amon Ross St. Brown and how excited he is to go against that Kansas City defense. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best offenses in this league, so to, to be able to keep up with them um, might, might be, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that means our defense is letting up a lot of points, but we're scoring a lot of points. So, um, I mean, that's obviously not what we want as a, as a team, but if, if it comes to that, and then we got to, hopefully we get the ball last and we can score last, but um, that's, a, that's a great offense to, to try to keep up with. Surprise. Love-hate week one of the pass catchers is led by Mr. Ride-or-Die, Amon Ross St. Brown. Shoko. Yeah, well, obviously, of course. Like, I mean, you know, look, it was kind of a, kind of a no-brainer. I think, uh, I think it was minus 20,000 on Jay's line as to whether or not Amon Ross St. Brown would make my love list. But the fact of the matter is, is, look, he gets a ton of targets, right? He had 14 full games last year, and 13 of them he had at least eight targets. So we know it's going to get a massive target share. Hawkinson is no longer there. Jamison Williams is suspended. Uh, We know they want to run the ball to try to keep 15 on the sidelines. Doesn't mean they're going to be able to. Uh, And ultimately, Patrick Mahomes only needs two plays to get into the end zone. So we'll see. You heard him on Roth talk about it right there. They're going to have to throw to keep up uh, a little bit. So it's a good matchup with the Chiefs. In addition to massive volume for Amon Ross St. Brown and his own talent, Chiefs allowed the most receptions to the slot last year, the second highest catch rate allowed to the slot as well. And so as you see it there on your screen, you know, better more than the Titans or the Ravens or the Vikings or the Niners, the Chiefs gave up the most receptions to the slot. When you play Kansas City, you have to throw quite a bit. My expectation is Amon Ross St. Brown sees the ball early and often tonight. 
I'm his wide receiver four. He's my fantasy rider die. I'll be talking about him tonight on Football Night in America on NBC and Peacock just before the game. Of course, I'm a company man. Amon Ra, he is your son, Gad. Bask in the glow of Amon Ra St. Brown. Yeah, very good, Matthew. Very well sold. Firstly, Thank you. Uh, I loved Amon Ra just trying to kind of do circles and not throw the Detroit defense under the bus as he was projecting right? a shootout. Uh, yes. Very well done. Artfully done by Amon Ra. That might of. be the best route he runs all day. Exactly, exactly right. And then secondly, the one concern with Amon Ra St. Brown, I think, would be just, in a way it's a concern, in a way it's a strength, is the lack of a secondary receiving option to take some right. of the pressure off of him. But I don't think that really is going to matter that much against Kansas City. I mean, Legereus, Snead, Trent McDuffie, they're fine as cornerbacks. They're not Sauce Gardner or Patrick Sertan. So I think that he will be okay on that front. And then I think even bigger than the cornerback matchup, Chris Jones not being there tonight is massive. Chris Jones is the best player on that defense by margin. They only won the Super Bowl because Chris Jones just went off in the AFC title game, sacked Joe Burrow on third and eight in that last minute of that game. He is an absolute monster. And I'm not sure how they're really going to get pressure against Jared Goff. And Jared Goff, when he's not under pressure, all That's of a sudden becomes like a fringe MVP candidate. So I think Amon Ra, he's very well set up for success. That's the key, Jay. With Goff, you want him playing, you know, off platform, throwing off platform, out of structure. You want pressure from the A-gap, that interior pressure. And that's what Chris Jones brings. So if there was ever a time for Jared Goff to have a monster, monster game against this Kansas City defense, of course, it's without Chris Jones. That brings us to our next pass catcher on this list, Chris Olave going against the Titans. Jay, we just wrapped up how... Jamal Williams was a hate because of that vaunted Titans rush defense, but you brought up specifically their secondary is very vulnerable, and this is the runner-up to the Offensive Rookie of the Year gets to see them week one. Yeah, uh, Matthews misspelled Michael Thomas uh, as Chris Olave, but I think they're both going to have good games. I think back to second half of last year, the Titans' secondary just got lit up repeatedly, repeatedly, and it's almost it's a curse in a way that their rushing defense is so good because it forces teams to throw. Which they want to do. I think back to what Philadelphia did, A.J. Brown's return to the Titans where they were just doing whatever they wanted through the air. Uh, so I think that Olave, in a game where they should be throwing, you know, at home, as three-point favorites. Uh, we think of Chris Olave is going to have a monster year, and this matchup is as good as it gets. Yeah, without a doubt. And, Barry, you've highlighted all summer Derek Carr's deep throwing fits with Chris Olave's vertical skill set. It really does, and it matches up nicely here because, as Jay was talking about how Tennessee's secondary struggled last year, they really struggled in the deep ball. In fact, no team in the NFL gave up more deep touchdown passes and only one team of more yards on deep passes. Again, these are passes 15 or yards more downfield than the Tennessee Titans. That's the way you attack Tennessee. It's hard to run against them. It is much easier to throw. That's how the Saints are going to move the ball on Sunday is through the air. So you'll see some Olave. You'll see a lot of Olave. He comes in at wide receiver eight for me. I'm at wide receiver one this week. Maybe we see Michael Thomas and Jay can uh, do a victory lap on us uh, uh, on Monday as well. You'll see some Rashid Shahid. I know you like Rashid Shahid, Connor, but uh, expectations here are that Olave has a big game against Tennessee. All right, after Olave, Tyler Lockett taking on the Rams, who are dealing with all kinds of different problems right now. We always talk about how underrated Tyler Lockett is. Barry, also Jackson Smith and Jigba, the 20th overall pick in the NFL draft. He's back at practice, we know that, but he's been dealing with the coming off the broken wrist where more might be put on the plate for Lockett and DK Metcalf in the early going of this season. 
Yeah, we'll see whether JSN is active for this game, but it's great to see him back at practice because there was concern when the wrist injury happened that he would miss the first game or he might miss a couple games. So the fact that he practiced on a Wednesday is great, um, and certainly if he's not active in week one, you feel like he will be in week two. Either way, three of the top four cornerbacks for the Los Angeles Rams are either rookies or second-year players. We know Jalen Ramsey left, uh, left the team in the offseason. Lockett last year against I think a better version of this secondary last year averaged over 21 fantasy points in two games against the Rams. He scored in both games against them. So, uh, look, our friends over at Pro Football Focus said the Rams have the worst secondary in the NFL. Who am I to argue with Pro Football Focus? Tyler Lockett is my wide receiver, 19. Uh, Geno Smith may or may not make the love list coming up a little bit later on the show. That's what we call a uh, tease or foreshadowing those of us who are broadcast professionals. But what I would tell you uh, here, my friends, is that Tyler Lockett's going to have a big game against the Rams. He's a top 20 play for me. Yeah, I have this Rams defense. I mean, we talked about it before. Try to play a game with your friends and guess the Rams defensive players outside of Aaron Donald. I mean, they've got guys like Russ Yeast at safety, uh, Kobe Durant at cornerback. Kelly Weatherspoon's on this team now. So, yeah. yeah, I think that they are going to be a mess. I don't really understand why Seattle are only five-and-a-half-point favorites in this one uh, at home. I think that is going to get bigger and trend towards a touchdown potentially. But, uh, yeah, Tyler Lockett should certainly eat. All right, our last one here before some others receiving votes. Darren Waller against the Cowboys. We got to see in just one drive, Jay, that Darren Waller might be the Giants' passing offense. We saw Daniel Jones lock onto him. We know how excited they were to acquire him for the third-round selection and get a bigger-bodied, middle-of-the-field pass catcher in Brian Dable's offense. He gets the Cowboys week one. Yeah, and just with this Kelsey knee uh, and with Mark Andrews and what he's going through, like I wouldn't be shocked at all if Darren Waller ends up a top yeah. two tight and end. Kittle's this banked up too. Kittle's banked up. It's starting to trend towards Waller and Hawkinson as the two guys. And this Cowboys off defense is monstrous. But sneaky thing is, is that their linebackers, after they moved Micah Parsons to basically an exclusive edge rusher last season, the linebacking core, I don't think it's a, a weakness necessarily because the overall defense is so strong. But I mean, Leighton Van Der Esch, who's had a really kind of strange career, uh, kind of resurfaced a little bit last year but I mean he's kind of the guy there now so I think if there is a place to target it might be the middle of the field and you know the Brian Dayball whatever the weakness is that he's going to pinpoint it and some of the younger guys they were expecting to help out got hurt this summer for the middle of that Dallas defense so Barry this just feels like not only a talent play we know how great Darren Waller is and we love Brian Dayball's offense but maybe a great volume play as well yeah, I think he's going to get a ton of volume. We saw that in the preseason. The expectation is he leads this team in targets and receptions. And I think uh, Jay brings up a great point in terms of where you want to attack the Dallas Cowboys defense. Last year, they were tied for the sixth most touchdowns allowed to the slot, right? They gave up a ton. And so, obviously, that's where Daniel Jones likes to throw quite a bit. It's where Darren Waller is the most comfortable. 60% of his routes last season came from the slot. It's where we've seen him line up in the preseason as well. So, Darren Waller is my tight end for this week. And I think there's an argument to be made because, like, we don't know yet if Kelsey's going to play tonight. And if he is, maybe he has limited snaps. Mark Andrews returned to practice uh, Wednesday, which is great, but maybe he's less than 100%. George Kittle, we still don't know his status for Sunday. So even if he plays, maybe he's less than 100%. Like, other than Hawkinson, there's question marks around all the elite tight ends. So I think there's definitely a scenario, a very real scenario, that come, you know, Tuesday morning and we're looking back on week one, the number one tight end in fantasy this week is Darren Waller. A couple others receiving votes. Cortland Sutton against that Raiders defense. Jahan Dotson against what's left of the Arizona Cardinals. Sky Moore tonight, of course, against the Lions. Jaden Reed against the Bears. 
We talked about Tyler Higby a little bit against the Seahawks and how much he's going to mean to that Rams passing attack. Gerald Everett against the Dolphins, who have had a fair share of injuries as well, especially in their secondary. And Barry, there he is. It's time to unleash Luke Musgrave against the Bears. So let's talk about Musgrave and Jaden Reed here real quickly, just because Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs did not practice on Wednesday. Watson's injury sounds not great and that he might it might be a multiple week injury here I don't know it just doesn't vibes doesn't sound great so there I think there's a chance that both Watson and Dobbs don't play in this game if you if you listen to what coach Lafleur said in his press conference it doesn't you know it's just like let's take it week to week not day to day right so I'm concerned about that which I do think means that it could be Jaden Reed and uh, Luke Musgrave I think both guys get a lot of targets this weekend as well we've talked about Sky Moore uh, throughout the week he played all the snaps uh, in the first team with uh, in the preseason with Patrick Mahomes so I like Sky Moore there as well Jahan Dotson look Terry McLaurin returned to practice yesterday which is great but he might be somewhat limited Dotson's been actually out targeted McLaurin uh, over the final five weeks of last year and then you know we talked about uh, as I mentioned Higby one thing I'll say about Cortland Sutton is that Jerry Judy also returned to practice. We don't know his availability, but it, is, it was a great sign that Jerry Judy did practice, at least in a limited fashion, on Wednesday. But in game, if Judy does miss, it's worth noting that the last two years in which Jerry Judy has missed, Cortland Sutton averages over 15 fantasy points per game. And there's been a connection between Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton uh, all, uh, all preseason. So I like Sutton even if Judy plays. But if Judy is out on Sunday, all thanks to Cortland Sutton. So Jahan Dotson gets some votes for the love list, but we kick off the hate list with his teammate, of course, and Terry McLaurin against the Cardinals. And Jay, we know the kind of competitor Terry McLaurin is. He was like that all the way back to playing special teams for Ohio State, and he's really been the guy for that Washington franchise. Do you have some fear of somebody trying to play through something, especially when it's turf toe? Yeah, and I just don't think he's really going to need to play every snap in this game. The commanders, would you believe it, Matthew? Sam Howell is a touchdown favorite in week one. Sam Howell and the Washington commanders. Uh, and you can't really doubt it. Please, I'm not sure the please refer to him by his proper name, Jay. Yeah, please yeah. refer to him by his proper name. Future top 23 fantasy <laughs> quarterback in 2023, no. Sam Howell. Future Hall of Famer, no. as you would say, Matthew. There you go. That's yeah. his... That's his official name. Connor, we're in, you, and I, you and I and Connor and the rest of the uh, Happy Hour crew are in a guillotine league draft, and Connor snaked Sam Howell from me. One pick one before One pick yeah. before last round, just before we went on, on, uh, on air. Super annoyed with Connor Rogers. Barry, I almost want to start him week one. <laughs> I won't over Joe Burrow, but I really almost want to, just for fun. Yeah. I, 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 listen, I get it because it, it, he's going to have a really good game this week. Uh, he makes other receiving votes when we get to the love list on the quarterback hint there. But, yeah, to your point, Jay, the fact of the matter is is that the commanders are favored. Arizona's having to travel on the road. We expect Josh Dobbs to start, but whether it's Josh Dobbs or the rookie Clayton Toon, the fact is, is we don't think the Cardinals are going to be that good this year. And the commanders, home opener, new ownership, it's sold out. The, like, the crowd's actually going to be into it. Snyder, Dan Snyder is gone. So I actually i am hopeful for here. And so even though McLaurin practiced on a limited basis yesterday with a turf toe, how many snaps does he play? If they get up big, do they pull him because they want him to take it easy? I'm nervous about McLaurin. Normally he's a no-brainer starter, but he comes in at wide receiver 27 for me this week. Just a low-end flex because of the concerns about can he go full speed with a turf toe and is there a chance that they limit his snaps either because of injury concerns or because of the score. I do think with McLaurin, it is going a little bit too far where he's falling in a lot of drafts where 
People just don't want yeah. people just don't want to draft guys who are injured because they're this close to the season, they're this excited about their teams, and they just don't want to wait a week right. until someone's full go. Kelsey's dropping too much, I think. McLaurin's another guy as well who maybe he doesn't have a great matchup this week, but he's falling too late in drafts. Barry, the next one caught my eye, and that's Gabe Davis against the Jets. I'm kind of fascinated to see how the Jets handle the Bills' offense. If A lot of people are assuming this is Sauce Gardner against Stephon Diggs. And number one, the Jets don't move their corners. They play sides. And number two, you have to wonder, do the Jets just allocate the extra attention to Diggs and see Sauce against uh, Gabe Davis, which we have seen a lot in the past. So Gabe Davis makes the hate list as well as he'll play Monday Night Football in New Jersey against the Jets. Right. It, regardless of whether he sees Sauce, friend of the show, Sauce Gardner, by the way, or, uh, you know, a variety of looks, the fact of the matter is, is that whoever you roll out there against the Jets, struggle. Team allowed, the Jets last year allowed the fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. They allowed the fewest receptions and fewest yards to wide receivers last season. In two games against the Jets last year, Gabe Davis combined, combined for five for 64. Like you wouldn't be thrilled with five for 64 and that's what he did combined. There's always a chance he catches a touchdown. There's always a chance he catches a long one here, but I'm nervous on Monday night football in a week in which there aren't that many injuries and there's no one on a bye. He's just outside my top 40. Gabe Davis is kind of more of a boomer bust guy. It's a tough matchup here. The other pass catcher that makes my hate list Again, it just goes to show you, like, I'm objective here because you know how much I love, in general, Chigakonkwo. But I am not getting jiggy with it in week number one. Saints allowed the fewest receptions and yards to tight end last year, right? They were the best against the tight end. In fact, only one tight end last year scored double-digit fantasy points against the Saints last season. I don't think Chigakonkwo is going to do that, especially because the fact is, is that we expect Traylon Burks to play in this game. Traylon Burks returned to practice yesterday in a limited fashion. So if suddenly that gets worse or we get news that he's not going to play, okay, maybe. But the fact of the matter is, is Traylon Burks practiced yesterday in limited fashion. It's a tough matchup with the Saints. We expect Hopkins to get a lot of, uh, a lot of target share. And Mike Vrabel this offseason said, hey, Chigakonko's blocking needs to improve. We don't know, has it improved enough to get him on the field to play enough snaps to make him a viable tight end? He's my tight end 17 this week. He's very touchdown dependent, low end tight end too. I would much prefer somebody like Luke Musgrave or if Kelsey is out tonight, I'd prefer to start Noah Gray than Chig Aconquo. As we move to quarterbacks, a lot of love for Justin Herbert this summer playing under new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. And we got to hear from Herbert on his expectations for the offense that might be throwing much more vertical this season. Um, I don't think anything changes over the past couple of years. I think we've, we've had that emphasis of trying to throw the ball downfield. Um, you know, injuries and adversity and, um, you know, things happened like that last year. And so we didn't exactly play the way we wanted to play. But uh, going into this year, we know that we've got the guys to be able to push the ball downfield. Um, and the guys especially are able to make the, make the plays downfield. Kicks off the love list here as he has the Dolphins week one. Listen, they drafted Quentin Johnson, a guy that can win down the field in the first round. They still have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Of course, Austin Eckler impacts the pass game. But what in the matchup do you like about Herbert in week one? Well, I like that Jalen Ramsey's not well, there yes. uh, anymore, which is the huge thing. And I think a sneaky thing that went under the radar a little bit last year is Xavier Howard wasn't great last year. And I know he was banged up a lot of last season, but he has to show that you know he can get back to the guy who's finishing top three in Defensive Player of the Year. 
Eli Apple is in the mix now, so I think that certainly it's advantage charges in the passing game. And look, the, the Dolphins have an incredible front four, Vic Fangio in there now. They should have a great pass rush. But the Chargers offensive line, for the first time since I think like pre-Phil Rivers, uh, looks like it's in a pretty good state with Rashawn Slater back on that O-line. So I think that the Chargers should be able to move the ball pretty well and Herbert should feast. Barry, you see a big week coming up for Herbert. Can he finish as a top two quarterback in fantasy week one? I think he can finish as a top two quarterback in fantasy this year. I mean, he's done it before, right? So finishing as a top two quarterback this year, uh, this week, is certainly within the cards. I have him at quarterback five, but he's right there. Look, it's the second highest over-under on the slate. We expect a lot of points to be scored in this game. Uh, You mentioned no Jalen Ramsey. Jay, I think that's a great point. Miami was a bottom six pass defense last year. It's one of the reasons why they went out and got Jalen Ramsey. They got Vic Fangio as the defense coordinator. I'm a big Vic Fangio fan. But, you know, there's only so much coaching you do to stop all the weapons that the Chargers have. Last year against Miami, in a down year uh, for Justin Herbert, he still had 51 pass attempts. He still had 367 passing yards as well. So my expectation here is that Herbert has a big game. They're going to be more vertical. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's where you attack Miami, I think, is in that secondary, which, is, which has struggled so far and is banged up. Two more quarterbacks that make the love list for week one here, Barry. Geno Smith going up against the Rams. We already talked about how much you love Tyler Lockett this week as well. And then Trevor Lawrence against the Colts, a Colts team that has had a wild ride of a summer as well. Yeah, Geno sort of went underrated in drafts. I think too many people thought, oh, last year was a fluke and whatever, and that, you know, we're unhappy. But the fact is, is like, no, they gave Geno the big deal. They didn't draft a quarterback. They're committed to Geno Smith as their starting quarterback. They add Jackson Smith and Jigba, and obviously the fact that he returned to practice this week is helpful for that passing attack. You've got Lockett and Metcalf there as well as we talked about this. Three of their four top second cornerbacks on the Rams are rookies or second-year players. Seattle has the fourth-highest implied total of all the teams in Week 1. We expect a lot of points to be scored for the Seahawks. And so, for me, yeah, Geno... Against this Rams defense, I think he's a top eight fantasy quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, you mentioned as well. Think about the Colts last season, right? In the two games in which Lawrence played against him, he went 45 of 52. He averaged over 21 fantasy points per game. And then four of the top five corners for Indianapolis have two or less years' experience in the NFL. It's also a very inexperienced secondary Trevor Lawrence, who had a lot of success against the Colts last year, now comes back with all of his skill players still intact. Oh, and he added Calvin Ridley, who should have made the love list this week, didn't. Calvin Ridley's going to have a big game. Trevor Lawrence is a top 10 play for me in week one. A couple other quarterbacks that received votes of the love list. Russell Wilson against the Raiders, Jay. Sam Howell, of course, against Arizona. And Derek Carr against Tennessee. We talked a little bit about how Carr has an advantageous matchup against the Tennessee secondary. We talked about Howell, of course, just what's left of the Arizona team. But Russell Wilson against a Raiders defense that has a lot of talent up front, but we don't know what the back end is going to look like. No, we don't. And outside of Max Crosby, there's no one who really scares you on that defense. I think Russell Wilson, I mean, he is a really interesting player this season because there was so much hype about Russ coming into last year. That's why they gave him the contract. He's only 34 years old, which for a quarterback these days isn't that old. And I think that with Peyton in tow, I think that he should be in for a a bounce-back year and certainly has an advantageous spot first up against the Raiders. All right, with that, we're going to go to break. Future Hall of Famer Sam Howell. Future Hall of Famer Sam Howell receives votes for the Loveless. With that, we are going to go to one more break. When we're back, it is time for Last Call. We're looking at our best bets for Thursday Night Football. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Coming to you from the desk of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, it is the official kickoff of the 2023 NFL season. Connor Rogers alongside Jay Croucher and Matthew Barry, who's boots on the ground in Kansas City for the opener. Listen, guys, the total of this game is set at 53.5. Massive fantasy implications right out of the gate, Barry. What do you have your eye on tonight? Well, I think a lot of fantasy points are going to be scored, but one of the most interesting storylines to me is the Detroit backfield. Look, everyone's going to start Mahomes, and Goff is a mid-tier QB2 in this one. But how about these running backs here? David Montgomery, no Chris Jones on the defensive line for the Chiefs, so I think you'll see a lot of Montgomery up the tackles. And then Jameer Gibbs facing a Chiefs team that last year allowed the most receptions to opposing running backs. I think both guys are top 22 plays this week as well. And then, Jay... On the other side of the field, it's really interesting to see how this Chiefs backfield plays out because Pacheco missed a lot of time in the preseason. We saw more CEH than we expected. Yeah, we did. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire just looming in the shadows to mess up situations for fantasy managers. I think Pacheco is maybe the most interesting guy uh, tonight from a fantasy perspective just because he has the ceiling where he could become a 17-carry kind of guy. But the betting market right now is projecting him to just get 11 and a half rushing attempts. And if that's the case, he's just not going to be that valuable and he's going to be hugely dependent on touchdowns. Meanwhile, Jarek McKinnon is there. How much use is he going to get early in the season? So a lot that's unsettled. But I think Pacheco is the most interesting one just because he's young and because he's got so much upside. All eyes on the status of Travis Kelsey going into this game. Of course, maybe heroics once again from Patrick Mahomes and the debut of a promising rookie in Jameer Gibbs. Football is back. The Lions taking on the Chiefs in Kansas City tonight on NBC and Peacock. All right, let's take a look at the most bet wagers on DraftKings, of course. Number one there, everybody's in on the rookie. Jameer Gibbs receptions going over three and a half. Followed by a little kicking prop here, Jay. I know you can't get enough of those. Harrison Bucker, extra points made over two and a half at minus 160. Amon Ross, St. Brown, Barry's ride or die. Everybody's along with that. The reception's over six and a half at minus 150. That feels a little low. Patrick Mahomes, rushing yards over 17 and a half is at minus 115. Isaiah Pacheco, rushing yards over 50 and a half, minus 110. Jay, give me your best bet. As the season kicks off tonight, of course, on NBC. Yep, my best bet is Jared Goff not 
to throw an interception ah. tonight at minus 115. Scary bet. It's like taking the under on Jamar Chase's receiving yards. Could be done on the first play of the game, Connor, yeah. but uh, I have faith in Goff. He hasn't thrown an interception since November 6th. That's 2022. That's Nine games in a row. Chiefs are below average at forcing interceptions despite teams needing to throw a lot. No Chris Jones. I think he'll have a lot of time uh, behind that offensive line. Uh, Jared Goff, he doesn't like outside, doesn't like the cold. It's going to be 75 degrees uh, in Kansas City, so I think he'll be okay tonight. Barry, what are you rolling with tonight as you'll be on the ground there? You know what? I like Sam Laporta over 29 and a half receiving yards. Again, we talked about Amon Ross St. Brown. The fact is, is that we think they will have to throw some, certainly in the second half, to keep up with the uh, with them. This is the tight end position got an almost 20 percent target share. Know they like him. We project him to almost 50 receiving yards, and the line's 29 and a half. Give me the over on Sam Laporta, 29 and a half receiving yards tonight. I like that, Barry. I'm excited to see how they use him at Iowa. He was great at manufactured touches, screens, having him off the line of scrimmage. The Lions, they're creative. They'll do the same thing. I think David Montgomery, this might be more of a hopeful that he gets in the end zone tonight, especially with Chris Jones not on the field. That is it for us. Barry, of course, we will watch you on NBC for the opener. Of course, for Matthew, for Jay, I'm Connor. We'll catch you tomorrow at 12 Eastern. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader new cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.